Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, what's going on, Spokes? What is going on? Happy Friday. I think it's kind of crazy that like we recorded on Friday and released on Thursday. So it's like the week ahead, essentially. Yeah. So we're like in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Or are we in the past? I don't know. We're we're both. We're not because no people in Australia are in the future, right? Like they're like in the future. Isn't that weird to think about? (laughs) I mean, I thought about that when I was in Hawaii because they were, what was I, six hours behind, seven hours behind or something like that. You're in the past. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Like, I'm like, that's just crazy. Like things that have already happened. Don't. Yeah. I'm like just weird. Um, but little update on my week, I guess nothing exciting going on. You look tan um, as fuck though. I got my spray tan yesterday. I haven't gotten a spray tan in probably like two weeks. And then before that it was like four months. Um, I know I work at a spray tan studio. Um, people are always like, why are you not tan? One, because by the time I'm done spray tanning 30 people in one fucking you day, are. <laughs> I like I don't want to fucking get naked myself. And mm-hmm. two, like I just like I like do a lot. So like once you get your spray tan, you kind of just have to like chill and relax until you can like get your rinse. And sometimes rinses are like anywhere from like two hours to 12 hours. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, what am I doing for the next like fucking eight hours? Like, do I like ugh, can I just sit there? Can I not like yesterday? I was washing my hands after my tan. I'm surprised they're not like white compared to my body, but yeah, that was an accident. But yeah, so um got spray tan this week. That's great. And then we're just doing like a lot of re like um home remodeling stuff. Like we're getting a new side door on our garage. Um yeah. because it doesn't actually even fit and close right. Um mm-hmm. and- Last night we took down chair rail, which I am. A lot of people don't know what that is. Um, I'm I'm one of those people. So yeah, so it's like, I'm sure you have it. Maybe there's another name for it. So it's like in the bedrooms, and it is like a railing that goes along the walls. Uh, it's like a board, and okay. it's about one third away up from the base of the wall. And essentially, its purpose is like if you were to have like a desk and pull a chair out, it's so like it hits that rather than it hits the wall, right? And puts like okay. A I think it's something that's like really old school. Like when I was younger, growing up in my parents' house, like we had it in all of our rooms. We took it down, mm-hmm. and then when I moved to this house, and I think this house was built in like the fifties or sixties. It's an older house, okay. um, and it was still in all of the. I think two of my bedrooms that I have. So we took it down in one um, and it's like nailed into the wall. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it, you have to use like a crowbar to get it off. Um, we only made one hole in the wall, which is great using the crowbar in the drywall. So I'm very happy about that. I thought we were going to, I was like, I asked Alex yesterday, I'm like, so like over under, like, are we going to be over four holes or like, you know, under yeah. four, how much we're going to fuck up the drywall. Um, but it was only once. So like, that's really good. So then we're going to sand and paint and think we ripped up carpet a few weeks ago. Yeah. We're just doing like a lot of just remodeling stuff, which is good. Exciting. Good for you guys. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that's huge on our project. I want to get like the other side of our basement refinished, but that's like a lot of money and new windows. So we'll see. Yeah. 
how's your week? What's going on with you? Uh, not much. It was a pretty standard week. Um, signed a couple of athletes and I'm in the process of signing more. So that was really exciting because I was in a, a little bit of a dry spell. So that was always, that's always encouraging when you like, when people are like, Hey, I think you can help me. And it's like, Hey, I know I can. <laughs> so like, it's, it's, it's always encouraging. Like as a coach, they, to get new faces and stuff like that. And, um, you know, was working on creating some guides. So I released that free shoulder guide to get bigger delts since my delts have come up quite a lot. And I'll be probably working on a glute guide as well, since really my glutes have been really popping off lately. So I've been doing that. But other than that, still doing like just normal bodybuilder, normal people stuff. Like my garden's popping off. Like I give away tomatoes and basil like every single time I go to the gym because we're just outnumbered by tomatoes. It's kind of scary. They could rebel and start a war against Eric and I and they'd win. Um, but yeah, like everything else is good. Like I'm excited for Tampa. Um, I'll be traveling to Tampa pro to like watch the pro shows, um, meet some people train at, I think it's MI 40 or MI 30. I'm not really sure, but there's a cool, a cool gym there. It's really yeah. cool. Man. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so we'll, I'll be excited to try that out. Yeah. I trained there when I competed in, um, the, it's like the Tampa extravaganza, I think is what okay. the Amazon one is called. Um, obviously it's part of the, the Tampa yeah. so I think that's where we had our team lift at when I, yeah, it's really cool there. Um, I thought it was gonna be a lot bigger than it was, but it's cool. They have it looks big stuff. from the photos, but you always, I feel like the, what they'll do is they'll do like the wide angle lens to make it like look so big in reality. It's like, Oh, it's not that big. I mean, I think it, it's a decent size. Like I've seen definitely smaller gyms but yeah just like its presence and like the amount of people that show up there um it can get really crowded really quick Uh, i believe it it. yeah it's it's really cool um you'll enjoy it tampa's fun i love love florida i miss it alex and i are probably trying to plan a trip in september to maybe go to florida i don't know like for your birthday or um kind of like he has two weeks off and like we're just kind of doing like one big vacation Mm -hmm. um last year before some some life-changing stuff happens and i don't know when the next time we probably won't even go we won't go next year um because the year after that 2025 we're going to hawaii so we'll be saving up for yeah for my brother's wedding so um like how bougie is that like let's just get married in hawaii but um yeah so i don't know probably florida i mean we'll see i'd like to go to arizona but yeah uh, I don't know like how expensive it is. I don't know anything about Arizona. I mean, I've never been. I don't either. I don't either. But if you do the, uh, the, the Florida thing, let me know. And maybe I could come down for a few days because I really do want to meet you. Like that would be, since you're kind of like in my backyard, I'd I'd buy a plane ticket to Tampa or Orlando, wherever you guys were. Yeah. I was going to ask how um, far it is. Like it's probably too far to drive. It's like, it depends on where we're going, but it's like, if I were to drive to Tampa, it would be essentially like eight hours because like pit stops and shit. And that's a bit too far for me. Like I'll do that for like Christmas time. Like when I go see my family, since it's like 12 hours, but it, the plane tickets are like 150 bucks. Like I would much rather spend 150 bucks. Yeah. There's so we should straight flight and get some fucking pretzels and a diet Coke and <laughs> people watch. <laughs> yeah. Call it a day. Yeah. Flying's always like fun. I'm not like a stress flyer. Like people get so stressed when it comes to flying and I'm so not. I love it. I love just walking around the airport and just seeing people interact. It's like, it's like a giant zoo. I love it. Are you like one of those people that like, it's like stress when you go on vacation? 
Um, I definitely used to be, but now it's just kind of like I, you know, know enough about like how to um, strategically pack my meals. Like I know that I'm going to get molested by TSA because either my tits or my snatch always sets off the thing. So it's like, I know I'm going to get a, uh, a feel copped. And at the end of the day, it's like not a big deal anymore. You know, like I've done it so many times. Like I definitely used to be that person that would like, ah, but now I'm just like, whatever, like feel my titties. Let's, let's go on, like confiscate my glutamine and we'll, we're fine. Dude, like when I travel, I literally bring like a backpack and have my computer and one outfit and that's it. Like, I'm just like, all right, like, I guess I'll just buy shit when I get there. Like I'll like fucking buy clothes. I'll buy food. I'll buy whatever I need. Buy that's food. awesome. Don't think I've ever packed a toothbrush. Don't think I've ever packed deodorant. Like I just buy it when I get there. And then sometimes I bring it back and sometimes I fucking leave it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just like, because, like to kind of like pack all of that shit. Like I literally will just like, usually when I travel, it's like, this is how I've acquired like 17 food scales because it's like, something I've always just forget. But yeah, I'll mm -hmm. bring stuff for my check-in, my computer, usually forget my headphones. So I buy those and yeah. Oh my god my like id that's all i'm like all right just need my id and my phone so i have my ticket and i'm done yeah but i know i'm pretty good about packing shit in my uh checked bag just because like i don't want to buy all that stuff like my stuff is my stuff but i don't mind like paying the 50 bucks whatever for a checked bag especially if i'm bringing like bodybuilding type stuff you know what i'm saying that like yeah i can't buy if i'm traveling um <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge but i yeah i you know, I'm pretty good about just not giving a fuck anymore because it makes traveling that much more fun. Oh, definitely. One, Yeah. I think I used to be like a stress traveler until I was like living in two States at once, like Ohio and Florida. Like I did that for six yeah. months. So, um, I was like, Nope, not, not doing it anymore. Not stressing about mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. But dude, I'm excited to dive into these questions. So we're doing the listeners Q and a today and we have things revolving around women's health prep, um, food. And then we have a lot of, a lot of drug questions. So I'm actually kind of excited to dive into those and give you guys our hot, not so hot takes. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah. question number one, um, from our listeners, why do I get migraines around my cycle? I mean, we can dive into like, you know, just a blanket thing, hormones, right? But specifically, if you want to know the nitty gritty, it has everything to do with the relationship between estrogen, mast cells, and histamine release. And so estrogen is one of those, um, you know, lady fun hormones that controls a lot of things about like, obviously our cycle, since it does dominate during the first half of your menstrual cycle in the follicular phase. So when you are like about to be hitting your menstruation, there's a little sing song dance between estrogen and progesterone. Um, but estrogen essentially causes mast cells, which are part of your white blood cells to break down their granules. And in those granules, it actually releases histamine. And histamine is essentially one of those promoters that, you know, we think of like allergies, right? So we're thinking of like, you know, our eyes watering, maybe we get the sniffies, maybe we get really freaking stuffed up. Um, I have poison ivy all over me and so because i have poison ivy over me i actually have a rash from not even the poison ivy but just because my immune system is like on high alert because i'm that allergic to poison ivy i have like a rash all over my body so those are just some things that your your body does to essentially upright your regulate your immunity to protect whatever against like it's trying to protect you from but obviously it's not necessarily like protecting you from your menstrual cycle per se it's just because of that interaction between histamine and your histamine receptors in your brain which essentially cause that 
that blood flow that causes that, that migraine. Mm -hmm. I remember when we had um, Dr. Carrie Jones on like forever ago, and she was talking about like how also too the side, I believe, um, which ovary, so whatever side mm -hmm. over um, the egg releases that can like play a role in your symptoms as well. And on that episode, if you guys haven't listened to, it, you should definitely go back and, and listen to it. It's all about female um, health and hormones. It's fantastic. Um, Cause I get migraines are around my cycle and mine would only be intermittent. So um, for mm -hmm. me, I wonder if mine more fluctuates with what side that my um, egg is released, like which ovary it comes from, because I was getting um, those pretty mad, bad migraines literally probably either the day before or the same day that my cycle would start. Um, and then as far as like, for me, like there was not much I could do that would relieve them because they are, mm -hmm. well, like you said, the body's response, the histamine, all of that. Um, I just was like trying to make sure that like, I still got enough water, good sleep mm -hmm. was resting when I needed to, because I also realized too, that a lot of my clients, it's, I used to think like people would be like, oh my God, my period's coming. I want to eat like shit. But for me and most of my clients, actually, it's the opposite. Like, we lose our appetite during our cycle. Um, so a lot, I've had a few clients that are like, oh my God, I'm starting to get a headache during my cycle. Obviously it could be hormone related, but I'm just like, hey, like we have to make sure we're still drinking and eating. I know appetite mm -hmm. for you. Um, but like, you know, it's really, really important that we hit those markers as well. Cause it could alleviate some of the pressure that you are feeling in your head. Yeah, absolutely. And even estrogen is actually kind of known to be a little bit of like an appetite suppressant too, to some extent. So I've actually heard that some females are like, I just don't want to eat. Um, Cause normally what happens is they get the cravings like in their luteal phase. So after they ovulate it, because, you know, progesterone starts to dominate over estrogen. And so they'll, you know, actually have that, that rise in, you know, certain neurotransmitters. And as that falls, right, they actually start to like want more carbs or like chocolate is like a big one because when those hormones start to fall in that late luteal phase, what can happen is they have these craves because they have this crash in serotonin and dopamine. So that's mm -hmm. usually why they, they not only get super weepy, we get weepy, but we want like chocolate and like snacks and stuff. But you know, some people during their actual menses, they're just like, eh, nothing sounds good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like nauseous when, when that happens and I have to like, especially like in an off season, and you're pushing a lot of food and you're like, oh my God. I mean, I guess <laughs> but, not, you could probably eat seven Hershey bars and still fit it in your macros, you know? Oh my God. But yeah, but then I'd like have diarrhea because like, it's not even good chocolate for one, but two, it's like, I couldn't uh, even imagine stuffing <laughs> all that down my gullet. But really what's more important is how do we not necessarily prevent that, but maybe how can we make it less? And that's really controlling how your body processes and detoxes estrogen. And so we're thinking about just doing things like eating right, exercising, taking, you know, proper care of your hydration. So that way your liver is supported and your digestion is supported. Like, I don't want this to be a estrogen, like detox um, podcast, not today anyway, but essentially just making sure that you're doing things to take care of yourself and eating good foods um, that can help your body just to regulate its digestion, support the liver, which is really the two systems we want to be protecting when it comes to the accumulation of estrogen and how it plays a role into your immune system and histamine. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was a good, good wrap up for that question. So our next one, question number two, um, I actually like this one. 
What mm-hmm. can I eat pre-training that doesn't upset my stomach? I train early. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as training early, um, yeah. So that does get a little bit difficult in my personal opinion, just because mm-hmm. I'm a type of person that I like to wait at least like 90 minutes before I train. I, yep. my pre-training meal is like 70 carbs. That's a lot to get down. Um, but mm-hmm. I have a few athletes as well that I'm sure you may, are you used to, did you used to train in the morning on the weekends? You train in the morning. That's what it is. I um, do, but I wait like until 10. So I can at least have 90 minutes to digest because I'm eating so much fucking food that like, my, mm-hmm. my pre is like 110 grams. And then my intra is like 130 grams of carbs. So like, so yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I've honestly told people that like the best thing they can do is like wake up and hydrate because it is early. You're dehydrated from sleeping. Um, so that's honestly one, it's going to give you a little bit more like energy, so to speak in the morning. But as far as like f- actual food and things that like, aren't going to set upset your stomach, I mostly just recommend like juices, Gatorades, honey sticks, um, which I think are absolutely disgusting, but people like eating honey plain. Like I could never, I don't like people are like, Oh, I just like putting honey on a spoon and eating it. That makes me want to vomit. Um, but yeah, those are usually kind of the main things that I will, um, recommend obviously still maintaining, keeping fats low because that's going to slow down your digestion and that can create Mm -hmm. like the long extended of leaving that food in your stomach while you're training. Um, what are your thoughts? What do you recommend? Yeah. So when I was actually training early in the morning, I still would eat beforehand. We're talking like 5am. And that was the stupidest thing I ever did because like, I just felt like a hippo trying to train. So what I recommend for my athletes that do train in the morning and we don't want to set aside time to actually eat a meal like we can do like the snacky route where we're doing like honey sticks with rice cake. Cause usually that digests pretty freaking smooth. But honestly, what I rather them do is I rather than start hydrating with coconut water, which not only has a little bit of carbohydrate source in it, but it has a great source of electrolytes. So mm-hmm. we do coconut water. We add some salt to it. Some iodized sea salt is plenty. Um, we will throw in a scoop of amino acids, the essential amino acids, not branch chained, all, all nine of the essentials. We'll do creatine, duh, um, the, the natty steroid. And then we'll also make sure that we throw in either some Gatorade or some other type of carb powder. And we just start sipping on that on the way to the gym and try to finish that at least halfway through training. Because honestly, like if you the reason why you're training in the morning is because your schedule, right? So you're already trying to make sure that you're prioritizing yourself and taking care of yourself, which is great. But if it's a stress to add in real food and having to break that down, like I would much rather us just do like liquid calories at that point and start hydrating soon, like you already mentioned, and then get in and get out so you can take a shower and then get to work. And then, you know, once you're settling at work an hour or two post training, if you can then get a real meal in where it's like, you know, real sources of food, like, you know, a chicken breast or some white fish with some rice, maybe like an easy to digest veggie and then some fruit, like that for me is perfect. Like, I don't want to overcomplicate things and make your life even more stressful. I want you to still be a person while also being a successful athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on training fasted? So here's the deal. Do I think it is the most optimal thing to do for muscle growth? Or let's say you're in a fat shredding phase and you are like having to train early fasted. I don't like that. 
right? I don't think it's conducive. But if you are someone that when you train with anything in your stomach other than water and you have some type of GI distress, like, and you can't move your training, like you have to train early in the morning because that's when it best fits your schedule. Like, I can't harp on it, right? Do I think it's the best thing? No. But in terms of like what really matters at the end of the day, like if an athlete is stressing over having to eat a meal or they drink some type of liquid intracarb and that causes them to blow or have diarrhea, like, okay, what I do, what makes sense for the athlete, right? Is it the most optimal thing? No. Do I personally like doing that? Absolutely not. But if my athlete can only do water with like maybe sodium and potassium salt in their water drink, and maybe a squirt of Mio. So it has a little yeah, bit so of flavor. Nasty. Yeah. Taste. Yeah. And a little bit of Mio. I know. Right. <laughs> just a little bit of Mio to give it a flavor, or even lemon, like whatever you can like handle, then I'm not going to bitch about it. Right. Because like, I don't want to like harp on my athlete when it's clearly causing them like physical and mental stress to do this. It's like, I will let it go. Right. Cause as a coach, you need to pick what battles you, you fight with your athletes. So that way you guys can come together as a team and work together for the betterment of each other, right? When it comes to the athlete's results and your coach-client relationship. So do I like it? No. Will I roll with it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a time when I didn't know, you know, shit about shit. And I literally would train fasted all the fucking time. Um, because one, it was uncomfortable um, for me yeah. to eat. And two, I didn't want to like look bloated. I wanted to be able to fit in like the smallest loop. On my yes. Um, all of that bullshit. And now I'm like, dude, I'd rather train at 6 p.m. when I have like five of my six fucking meals in. My belt barely fucking fits. Like, I feel like the Hulk. Like, I don't care. But yeah, I mean, as far as like training fasted, like exactly like you said, I agree. Like, do I think it's optimal? No, but if it's one of those things where it causes that detrimental stress to the, to the specific athlete, it's like, okay, that's fine. There's always plan B. Right. Um, yep. So yeah, no, but as far as when it comes down to what can you eat early in the morning, if you are an AM trainer and you don't have that, the luxury of waiting, you know, anything like Ash said, Gatorade powder, juices, um, honey, coconut water. Um, like I said, the honey sticks as well. Um, mm -hmm rice cakes, those are easy, um, amino acids, all of that good stuff. Um, and see, yeah, see how that goes for you. I think it'll, it'll work well. You'll feel, you probably feel a lot better too. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. wrapping up that one and on to our next question, how to drop stress in prep. Right. And this is obviously like a hard question to answer because like I mean, it's not hard to answer, but it's one of those things Well, it's like, what is causing the stress, right? Is it the accumulation of a deficit? Is it the accumulation of extra cardio, extra steps? Is there psychological stress with the restriction and regimen of prep? Chances are it's all three, right? So this is also where you need to look at and assess your timeline. It's like, okay, well, if we are just, you know, competing for a regional show, you know, maybe we can implement like different strategies to drop off the stress, to drop off the fatigue. Maybe it's a refeed, maybe it's a diet break, maybe it's a cardio break. But in some cases, if you're doing like a national show where it's like you are unfortunately like at the mercy of a specific timeline, sometimes you have to just suck it up and push forward, right? So this is where you have to have that delicate like push-pull dance, and why it's so important to have that communication with your coach when it comes to how are you feeling and your biofeedback, because sometimes, like I said, you do just have to suck it up and push, but other times, like 
especially when you make pushing adjustments and nothing happens, then that's kind of your sign to yourself and your coach that, okay, we do need to pull back stress. And so, like I said, maybe that is doing a diet break. Maybe that is, you know, giving your, your legs a break. Maybe that's switching cardio modalities. Like maybe you're someone that was hauling ass on the Stairmaster and it's like, okay, well, clearly your legs are inflamed. We can't see lines. You know, you look like, you know, the Michelin tire man down below. So maybe instead of doing Stairmaster, which is very demanding, why don't we maybe switch to something a bit lower impact, like the arc trainer, the elliptical or shit, maybe even a recumbent bicycle. You know what I'm saying? Like just like playing around with different cardio modalities to still drive a deficit, but not be so fatiguing. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Ash? So, yeah, no, I agree. I, when I read this question, I thought the same exact thing. Um, I was like, well, what is the stressor? That was like my first initial answer. Like, why are we, why are we stressed? Um, kind of like you said, like, you know, it, it comes down to like, what is it? Yeah. Like I've done multiple things when prepping athletes, things for myself, when I've been in multiple preps too, like the diet breaks, the pulling back on cardio, um, pulling back on training and staying out of the gym actually for a couple of days. Um, I've actually had some people, we talk about like their caffeine intake and bring that down, um, a lot, um, sleep schedules, um, things like that. Um, for me, one time when I was in prep, I was working, you know, four or five shifts a week. Um, and it had to be back and, you know, we're as nurses, we were only required to work three twelves and I was working, you know, four or five of them. So that was a big stressor for me. I wasn't, you know, responding the way that I should, um, kind of the same thing. So yeah, you know, I think how to drop stress and prep is very individualized. Um, uh, and it could be a number mm -hmm. of them. Or it could just be one of those things, you know what I'm saying? So um, it just all depends on on you as a specific athlete, which I know is like a very vague answer. But um, yeah, so it's it could be even I think one of the biggest things for me too, um, going into like regional shows is like for me, I don't like having that deadline. Mm -hmm. I kind of like prep. I'm like, all right, we're starting prep. I don't ever think of how many weeks out I am um don't know until my coach is like hey we're gonna do this show and actually it's like three weeks out or it's six weeks out or whatever it is I kind of mm -hmm. just roll with the punches just do one day at a time um I think not having that set show day is ideal and then I never I would I didn't really plan for like more than one show it was just kind of like okay how do we feel after this one where are we at all right let's yep. do another kind of thing uh, I think that took a lot of my stress off because that it eliminates that. Am I going to be ready? Am I doing enough? Um, that second guessing, mm -hmm. that, um, uncertainty. And that's where I think a majority of people's mental stress comes from when it does come to prep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's really important to understand that like when you step on stage, you are looking for a physique and a look, not a specific stage weight. And certainly not like a specific timeline that you, your brain has, has picked. Like, I want to do this show. Okay. Well, I understand maybe it's close to your area, but guys, like this is, this is a very harsh way to say this. Right. But like the NPC, the IFBB, Jesus, the IFBB, they want your fucking money. There mm -hmm. is a show, multiple shows, almost every freaking weekend. I guarantee you within like a certain three hour radius, as long as you're not in like bumfuck nowhere wisconsin you know what i'm saying like they want your money so they are going to put on shows to have you go to these shows to compete right and like 
that's the thing. That's the business of the NPC and the IFEB. So at the end of the day, like, don't box yourself into this arbitrary, like, show day. Like, get ready. Get ready physically. Get ready mentally. Like, bring your very best and do that with the mindset of there is no timeline, right? Because I, I promise you, you will enjoy your prep so much more because you will appreciate each and every day, even on the, the hard days where you are suffering, you know, because like, I'm not going to share, uh, you know, blow smoke up your butt and say, oh, prep's going to be super easy. Like, no, of course not. But it will be easier knowing that you will compete when you are ready to compete, rather than trying to stuff yourself into this box when like, oh, you're, you're three weeks out in air quotes, and you look like you're 10 weeks out. Like, why? Like, why do that to yourself? Why, why knowingly put that psychological stress, which is going to lead to physiological stress, on yourself and you won't be happy with your placement you won't be happy with your look and then what like what was all that money for like because again competing is not cheap i don't care if it is npc or if you were ocb or the wbf i i don't fucking know but the one with wings like i don't care like it's so expensive to compete like save your money and make it count yeah i know those are all like really good points yeah like i don't I think there's maybe been like one show that I like prepaid for. Otherwise, like I sign up during peak week. I usually have a fucking late fee or I register like when I'm there. Um, yeah. at the show. um I don't do because then that's the same thing. People are like, I'm doing a show in 12 weeks. I already paid for it kind of shit. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, yep. I can have 12 weeks break your leg, which I hope no one does. But still, like, you know, like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but let's let's give some supplement recommendations though to potentially drop stress, right? Because obviously when we talk about stress, we think about cortisol, right? And so obviously when you are starting to become stressed and the body starts to look watery and you're not responsive, that's usually because cortisol is starting to elevate and really ramp up. And of course you can pull blood work mid prep to see where that cortisol level is at, but you can use, you know, like adaptogenic herbs to essentially control and lower your cortisol. And so we could be using supplements like Revive Calm, uh, Morphogens Calm. We could also potentially use Emodin, which is a very extreme cortisol suppressant. And definitely depending upon where you are in your prep, if it is starting to be like within like, you know, the last four to six weeks, for example, like you probably would want to implement some Emodin just so that way we can artificially suppress your cortisol. And obviously like continue to be responsive when it comes to your, your deficit and your dropping fatigue. But at the end of the day, like anything to do to improve your quality of sleep is going to be the best thing that you can do. You get the most bang for your buck. And so whether that is, you know, doing some melatonin or having like a really good, like routine down for your sleep wake cycle, you know, cool bedroom, comfy bed, you know, I have a mattress topper that circulates water. And since I'm in Charleston, like it gets really fucking hot here. And Eric like sleeps really hot too. And I sleep really hot. And so because we don't want to spend a fortune cooling our house, this little thing I got from Amazon is like 200 bucks. I fill it up with water every night, runs through you. There are different settings depending upon like how you like your temperature, but I fall asleep like a baby and we can keep our house a little bit hotter. So that way we save some money. That's really cool. Yeah. As far as my supplement recommendations, I usually only recommend um, the Morpho Calm or the Revive Calm. Like those are the two that yeah. I stick with. I don't really uh, do anything else. I mean, a lot of people talk about ashwagandha, but essentially those supplements pretty much have it in it. Um, yeah. So it's just like a more bang for your buck, in my opinion. As mm-hmm. far as- no, for sure. 
let's go on to the next question unless you have anything else about stress and prep no i think that answered a good a good chunk of roo a good chunk of rooski <laughs> yeah i think that went well um okay so the question is as stated eq for wellness primo for bikini that's all it says um i'm assuming that it's going to be like EQ specifically only used in wellness and Primo specifically only used for bikini. So I'll let you go run with that here first. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So whenever we're talking about drugs or even supplements for that matter, the question is, why are we using this, right? Like what hole, what gap are we trying to fill to get said outcome, right? That's my thought process when either adding a supplements or adding in drugs. It's like, what, where's the problem? Can we address it with lifestyle? Can we address it with, you know, nutrition, training, whatever? If no, okay, what supplements, what drugs? So that's kind of like item number one, right? So the whole idea of using EQ or boldenone is it is a direct derivative of testosterone. So I know some people can, some people do use it as like a TRT instead of using testosterone, right? It's just for females, the androgenic to anabolic ratio is a little skewed where it could potentially cause heavier virilization, right? The positives of using an EQ is it is going to have increased nitrogen retention, increased protein synthesis, which is obviously good for muscle growth. Um, There is some benefit to increasing appetite as well, which could be beneficial potentially in an off season where food is high and therefore body, uh, body fat tends to be higher. So therefore you have that different signaling with leptin and ghrelin and you're not so hungry. So there could be a benefit there, but the thing you have to be careful one is one hematology. So it is going to upregulate your red blood cells. So that's something that we want to make sure we're not having thick blood because that can obviously lead to, you know, complications with our cardiovascular system, which is never a good thing. Um, but at the same time, again, we tend to virilize a little heavier, because of just the nature of this drug. And so, you know, you might have more oily skin, you might have more acne, you might have hair growth around like your legs, your pubes, your, you know, your pits, some chin, you could have potentially some hair loss where men lose their hair, you know, like that Rogaine commercial where they're like showing the tops of their heads and it's like, you know, practically bald. So those are things that you need to be careful for both males and females. So could a female use boldenone EQ? Yes. Should they fill the gap? If it, they could benefit from it, if they don't realize with it and they do like how they feel on it, they like how they look on it, they want to use it in an off-season setting, sure. Would I personally use EQ in an off-season setting? No, I would not. I would much rather use a primabolin, which is a DHT derivative, with a little bit of test. So that way I am getting that aromatization of estrogen. And I'm also getting DHT, which DHT has its own benefits with libido and cognition and strength gains. And then to essentially make my stack stronger, I would then add on the primabolin, right? I respond very well to primabolin. Most females too do. It's It was designed specifically for, you know, like AIDS, muscle wasting diseases, breast cancer, and stuff like that, where women respond better and they don't have as high as a virilization, Right. So I would use Primabolin in bikini. I would use it in wellness. I would use it in figure. I would use it in WPD. And I would use it in women's bodybuilding. But then we have to talk about like dosages and then adding other drugs to fit other holes on top of that when it comes to 
anabolics, other ancillaries like growth hormone, insulin, um, potentially like, you know, more like IGF types of things we could play around with. But I don't think we should approach drugs as, you know, uh, category specific. It's more like, what does that female need? And that also holds true of the males. What does that male need? You look at the drug, you pick the drug, you use the drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, like that just kind of stems in or rolls into our next question where it's, you know, proviron for women. Do mm-hmm. you think this is kind of the same exact answer where it's like, what are we trying to do? What gap are we trying to fill? What is our outcome? Um, you know, where is this current athlete at? Where do they lag? What? And another thing too, before, like before we dive too much into that is what is that athlete like willing to do? Some women will go a little bit farther on the virilization, you know, yeah. um, aspect. And they're like, I'm okay with a deep voice. I'm okay with, you know, the extra hair on my armpits and my legs. I'm okay with like, you know, maybe an enlarged clit, like some women, their goals are so much bigger than, than this side, than those side effects. Granted, mm-hmm. um, they are serious side effects. They are irreversible, but like, I think that goes to, to, play into some type of, you know, consideration too, is like, what is that athlete willing to do? Cause like, if an athlete comes to you, it's like, Hey, I want to win a, or I want to go pro and figure, but I also want to have kids in two years, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, eh, we have to talk about like, Hey, like if we're going to do this, one or the others, they, they don't really align. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's like my, my take on it as part as like, is one better for the other should, uh, pro Byron be used in for women. Um, but yeah, I think you pretty much hit the the nail on the head there is like, yeah, like where are the gaps are? And then dosaging is huge. Like, is the the same dose for like Primo going to be, or the, is it going to be the same for a bikini girl as it would be for WPD? You know what I'm saying? So I think that goes into another thing to, to kind of break the walls of the box, because like some of these questions are just very put in a box like should it be mm-hmm. primo for bikini well yes it could be or it could be like hey someone gets on primo even though it was designed for women it does you know women do tolerate it very well someone can see virilization at a low at a lower dose when someone who mm-hmm. doesn't see any of it can push a little bit harder have a higher dose and they're completely fine mm-hmm. absolutely but to answer the question like proviron for women it's like well what does proviron do like why do men use proviron and because essentially proviron is almost just pure DHT, almost, right? So men typically like to use it to increase free testosterone because it will bind to sex hormone binding globulin, which is a a globulin that transports and binds up hormones to transfer them throughout the body. So if proviron, which is a very crappy anabolic, binds to sex hormone binding globulin, what does that do to their testosterone or their, their masteron, for example? Oh, well, it can now play with the androgen receptor and produce, you know, a better outcome of, you know, muscle hypertrophy, for example. So that's why men use it is to either free up free testosterone. And it also acts as an anti-estrogen because proviron can actually bind with the aromatase enzyme and essentially rendering it useless, right? So what aromatase does is it takes testosterone and aromatizes it via some like very complex chemical interactions and turns it into estrogen. So if men are having estrogen issues and are starting to get maybe like gyno or they're having issues with their dick not working or whatever, then they could potentially add in proviron to alter those estrogenic like effects. 
They could also alter their stack design to maybe lower their testosterone dosage and increase a DHT derivative like Primabolin or Masteron and kind of play around with that testosterone to estrogen ratio. But at the end of the day, like that's usually why Proviron is implemented in a male's design. Now for females, it is very androgenic, right? It has a crappy anabolic and it is very, very potent for virilization. So my question is, is for females, why would we want to use it if we're having issues with estrogen and testosterone, right? It's like, if we know it's going to be heavily virilization, like could we use it maybe in a larger women's division? I guess potentially, sure. Like there's a time and a place for it. But if we're having issues with estrogen, I'd rather look at what is causing those estrogen issues than to just throw a drug on top mm -hmm. of it. So if it's an improper ratio of testosterone to a DHT derivative, then could we tweak that before adding in another drug? Because one, you're just adding a drug to cover up another drug's effect. And two, there's always going to be that risk of sourcing. Like, do we actually know what we are buying? Because again, this stuff is illegal. Like, is that actually what it is? Or are we just adding gasoline to a, a, a fire to make it a fucking dumpster fire? Yeah, from like backyard fire to dumpster fire. Right, for sure. Like, you know, like those big barbecue joints where it's like, oh, you get the whole entire town and there's like that person that has acres of land and it's just like, it looks like a sacrificial, like you're about to burn a virgin, like type of campfires. Like that's what we used to have. So yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, So on to our next question. Do women need PCT, post-cycle therapy? Um, to answer this question, I personally think yes, in some degree. Like, I think, um, what are your thoughts? Your face just like moved. <laughs> I think it's important to define what post-cycle therapy is because what post-cycle therapy is, is in a man is to restart their testosterone production. But women don't produce testosterone like men do, right? We don't have like, we don't have balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like really what PCT is in terms of a man is they might be using like things like HCG or Arimidex, right? So that way they can restart, you know, their testes to pr start producing the testosterone again. And they use the Arimidex, which is a aromatase inhibitor to eliminate um, excess estrogen, right? So that's how they kind of restart their testosterone process. But I also think it's important to understand that like when we get our bloods drawn, we see just like a physical number, right? But our body, the way it regulates things through positive and negative feedback loops is it's not just like a straight line, right? It's like your house, it's a thermostat, right? So it, let's say you keep your house at 69 degrees, right? That's the best number. Well, what's gonna happen if it gets too hot, your AC will kick on, drop the temperature down, but it won't just hit the 69, it'll like kind of overcompensate a little bit. So that way, as you guys produce body heat, it'll come back up and usually average around 69 degrees. And then we do the sing song dance all over again between the AC and the heat. And your body's similar in that way. It's like a checks and balances types of systems. But women don't necessarily produce testosterone like they don't in that way. So do women need to use HCG and Arimidex? No, what they need is they really just need time off. Now, mm -hmm. can we support our bodily systems? Can we support our ovarian function? Can we support our HPA axis? Yes. Time off, 
food and you could use something like Morphotest from Morphogen Nutrition, or you could use something like Jumpstart from New Ethics, which contains certain like herbals and other types of like hormones to support your cells and, you know, jumpstarting things for lack of a better word. But that's not a formal, in my opinion, not a formal PCT like a man would have to do. Okay. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So as far as like PCT, like when I look at it, I'm just like, yes, like everyone needs some type of post-cycle therapy, um, mm-hmm. support. Um, and I mean, yes, when it comes to like, do we need to add in something else for females? No, technically. Yeah, you're correct. It is that time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, yes, like waiting to draw those labs. Um, I, I, I don't know if you see this a lot though, but people will pull labs like the day they're done with fucking prep. And I don't understand why. <laughs> like, yeah, completed yesterday on Saturday, going to get labs on Monday. And I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) love that for you right so you know it's just like one of those things but yeah as far as like you know it's not gonna be one of those things where you for as far as like women yes like adding in something else maybe uh probably not um but like you know what you said like adding in the morpho test um is like always like a good option but that's based on like you said not only just their labs but how are they feeling and what is their body like regulating and like their specific symptoms Mm -hmm. after um but most of the time yeah once you honestly I would say, and don't quote me, this is just like a rough number I'm going to throw out there, but I would say like probably like 90% of the time, like once you give yourself time to get off of them as a female, like most things go back and regulate on their own. As long as you're following your reverse, decreasing that over um, stimulus of like the hard training, the cardio, Mm -hmm. eating whole foods, hydrating, all of those good things. um, Like I would say a high percentage chance that everything kind of settles back down to your specific baseline. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, great addition there. And really our final question, which this one breaks my heart, right? It's the idea of using an a AI or a CIRM in the off season to decrease lower body fat in women. And like, can you? Sure. Should you? I would argue no, because one body fat in the off season is important for regulating hormones, especially in a female, right? And yes, because we have levels of estrogen and progesterone well above what a man makes, we are going to store fat in our hips, our butt, our thighs. And, you know, a man is going to mostly store in his abdominal region. Like that's just the way that hormones tend to manipulate fat cells and how we store things, right? And so estrogen, yes, it does upregulate a a enzyme, um, lipoprotein lipase, which does play a role in fat storage, right? But here's the deal. It's a normal evolutionary concept that keeps us healthy. And so body fat in your in your lower legs is not a bad thing, especially in the off season, right? It's important that we have that there for hormone production. Now, can I make a case of using like an AI and or a CIRM, potentially even both in a contest prep? Fucking absolutely, right? Because when we're doing contest prep and we are wanting to get stage lean, yes. Now, this is a case where, you know, maybe we first pull out something like a Nolvidex, a tamoxifen, and then as we get really close to the show, we might add in an AI, like a Rimidex or a Romacet or something like that, like to make sure that we are able to get those glutes and get those hamstrings in. But in an off-season setting, like estrogen, is not bad ever, like in terms of like how it, um, how it influences like overall body composition, hunger cues, stuff like that. But it's the ratio, it's the amount of estrogen in comparison to 
testosterone or other hormones like or progesterone, you know, it's so like estrogen's not bad. It's just like, where is it at in the ratios, um, the respects of other hormones in the body? Yeah, like, I'm just gonna say like this, the smallest little bit on this question is just like, yeah, like decreasing body fat in the off season. Like, I just feel like, hey, like if you've gained too much, it's probably more of like a diet compliance issue. Um, we need body fat to grow. Um, and then, you know, I just, yeah, I mean, in women, we're going to store it in our lower legs, which honestly, I ain't never too mad about it. it makes my ass look 10 times bigger no. than fucking is. Cause honestly, I don't know. This is like the last thing I'm going to say. And it has like relatively nothing much to do with the question, but, uh, I don't know if you've ever done like a side profile picture of you when you're deep into prep and you look at your, yep. It's like a pancake. Your butt ain't is nothing there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as far as like when it comes to, to the off season, like you need to give your body, first of all, time, like we just talked about mm -hmm. in the last question to kind of get off things, um, essentially, and then just grow, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Like you said, there's a time and place for everything. And I just don't think that's one of them. I think contest prep, if that's where you need it, then it's, that's mm -hmm. where it should be. But as far as yeah. the off season, it's just not the most ideal, not the most optimal, let's say. Yeah, like, I think the thing is, is like, estrogen really does get a bad rap. And of course, if you are having an estrogen issue in the off season, because you either are too heavy, or you have a gut issue, or whatever, that's something that I would explore and correct that way before, you know, why, like, again, it kind of goes back to the provider question. It's like, if we're having side effects from these drugs that we don't want, um, like, one, can we alter the drugs? Or two, can we alter what we're doing in terms of like how our body naturally functions? before adding another drug to suppress the other drugs effects, right? Um, some people don't realize like these drugs, like what really what they are, what they do. But like, if we look at something like a Novodex, like it is an estrogen, right? The tamoxifen is an estrogen. It's just a really weak estrogen. So essentially it's going to bind to the estrogen receptor and send a little <laughs> signal versus like something like an estrogen, like an estradiol, the E2, it, that would send a much larger magnitude of effect. But since tamoxifen comes in, binds that receptor, it's like you don't get that big like effect that a, an actual estrogen molecule would get. So you're not really reducing estrogen. You're just reducing the, the potency, the action of what estrogen would do. But again, estrogen is not a bad hormone. We need it for different tissues like joint health, brain health. Like It's important for cardiovascular health as well, which like spoiler alerts or, or fun fact, this is why women outlive men usually is because like, we don't, we have a lower risk of like heart attacks and strokes and stuff like that because of our estrogen. So it's not a bad thing and we don't want to suppress it. And we especially don't want to suppress it long-term, which is why this is like a context. It depends scenario to use something like, like I said, an AI or a CERM, which I would only use in contest prep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think everything you said is is spot on. No, yeah, I agree. And it, it it what what a lot of these questions that we talked about today have come down to is is essentially like the context. Um, you know, what is going on with you specifically? At least most of our questions related to to our drugs, um, and and stress with prep. Um, but as far as you know, everything it, it in bodybuilding, in my personal opinion, is so person dependent um unfortunately and like at times it, it does make me feel like I'm not giving you guys like the greatest help that I that I possibly could but like that's when it comes down to like hey 
hiring a coach, getting someone who knows their stuff, um, being able to mm-hmm. assess these little things for you in order to give you the the end result that you want to be the very best that you can. That's why some of these questions do get a little bit difficult for us to answer, even though we do know the best way to answer them is by saying like, mm-hmm. hey, um, you know, we don't want to give you guys the wrong information and we're not just going to blow smoke up your ass. It's like, oh yeah, hey, go do this from listening to the podcast. Like that's mm-hmm. one stupid fucking reckless and three me and ash have a con a conscious so like it's just not gonna sit right with us but it's we have our little jiminy tricking on uh jiminy cricket on our shoulder being like hey don't do that right exactly but we do love answering your guys's questions and helping in any way that we can but when it comes down to it like if you guys do need like that specific help um reach out to one of us you know apply for coaching yeah. get on a consult call um whatever is is going to make you understand what's going on with you and get you to where you need to be. Like we're more than willing to to help you guys. Yeah. Like a lot of my console calls are either competitors that are scared about like, usually it's women, right? It's women that are being coached by male coaches that are treating them like males that they're like, Hey, my coach is doing this. What are your thoughts? And it's like, I will be honest about them. Like, what are my thoughts? What are my opinions? Cause I'm entitled to my own opinions. But a lot of the things that I see is women are being treated like many males. Now, if you are like a bigger woman and like you were in a bigger division at some point you essentially are taking so many drugs where you essentially are a, a male in terms of like your hormone production with just how high your androgen load might be even though you still have your lady parts you know what i'm saying but a lot of these coaches are just you know even bikini girls or just treating them like mini males and they're having all of these awful side effects their hair's falling off you know they're, they have really other bad signs of virilization, or they are using things like AIs and or SERMs in the off season, and they feel like crap, their training is awful, they don't have libido, they don't have their menstrual cycle, and they just feel like a wreck. And they're either afraid to talk to their coach because, you know, XYZ reasons, and so they reach out to a female. So it's like, you have reservations about a coach, like, it is like one, talk to them about it first, like talk to them, be like, hey, I, I don't, I don't understand why we're doing this. Can we, can we talk about this please? And if they shut you down, let that be a sign of red flags to maybe ask someone else that you do respect that is very open and honest about either their drug use or their drug knowledge or whatever. Like you are allowed to get a second opinion. Like we go to doctors all the time. Right. And it's like, well, if we don't like what one doctor has to say, maybe we should get a second opinion, maybe a third opinion. And it's like different people are going to have different opinions, of course. But at the end of the day, it is your body. It is your skin. You have to take care of yourself, which means you have to be an advocate for your health, whether functional health or contest prep or whatever. So just make sure that you are protecting your house. Yep. And it, and go with your gut feeling. Like if something doesn't feel right, if you're kind of just like, hmm. And here's the thing. Everybody talks. Everybody talks in this community. So if you're mm-hmm. like a friend and you're looking at their protocols and yours which obviously they're always going to be different but like drug dosing and stuff like that where it's just like astronomically extremely different um it's okay to to question it and be like hey like this doesn't seem right or i don't feel good doing this or i just need more information on it and you know if they can provide you with with the knowledge and the research and whatever you need to to make that decision of like okay hey like this is you're right. This is good. Or I need to back off. Like, this is not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but essentially like if something is wrong with your, like something in your gut is telling you that there may be something wrong, listen to it. Don't ignore it. I did that with my first coach, my first prep. It was terrible. Um, so thankfully, um, 
I came, I came out on the other side. Okay. But sometimes like there are things that are irreversible. There's things that you can't go back from, or there's times where people will leave the sport entirely because of it mm-hmm. and kind of feel that, that, um, missing out on their passion. Yeah. So to- that's that's hard but that's like a topic for like another time as well um we could agreed podcast on that one too no absolutely i think that'd be a great idea but next week we have fucking sauce boss himself ross flanagan going to the o i am super pumped to have him on oh my god i know i just feel like i don't even know if i'll be able to get a word in (laughs) i i just like want to like just sit and listen to him talk because you know he is going to bring it some heavy fucking hitters and i'm excited for it oh my god yeah and he's so um like animated in my opinion so charismatic oh my gosh yes like very like i'm excited i love that we do like the the recordings on video sorry for you guys that just listen um but yeah like i'm just excited to see like his energy and like he's one of those people where you can like literally feel it through the screen like if you've ever looked at his ig if you haven't you need to um and and you know just get an idea of like who he is and we're very excited to have him on next week it's going to be a really really good podcast and um remind me what is our topic again with him it's um cultivating a winner's mindset which i mean he is the best fucking person to ask about that like holy shit like even i'm gonna be just sitting down like taking notes you know like (laughs) yeah no it's gonna be a good one but i think that's all we have for you guys today so thank you so much for sending over some questions so we can you know help you guys in the best way that we know that we can over the podcast as well as you know continuing to listen to us and supporting us um while we do this yeah we appreciate you guys but until next time peace adios